Welcome to Sounds from the Shadows, the podcast where the Shadow Girls get together, talk about folklore, fairy tales, storytelling, all that fun stuff. My name is Emily Collins. My name is Georgia Dorley. And my name is Orla Devlin. And this is this is our twentieth episode. What? what? Yeah. Oh my god. We've got a, we've done twenty of these. Oh goodness. <laughs> yeah. And celebrate, we'll talk about We're talking about <laughs> crones the old witches in the wood mm-hmm. uh, and one in particular but before we get on to our particular old witchy woman i'm just going to talk a bit about crones in general because mm-hmm. uh, they do show up a lot mm-hmm. they cross over with a lot of other different archetypes and things like there's the whole thing of like the three women the maiden the mother and the other <laughs> which is the crone and sometimes they're all one or they're three different individuals but the crone seems to be a very interesting one who shows up a fair bit and she's sort of quite ambiguous yeah yeah when i was researching this i just i couldn't find any sort of definitive Mm. crone type of thing it's just they were always there sort of like the wise woman of the village you know as part of that story like they they were almost like the oracle or they tied into some other type of trope and they can be sort of the helpful Mm -hmm. the healer the midwife the godmother or they can be the old witch in the wood yeah and often depending on who's telling the story, the same woman can be both. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you found a, an interesting crone from Irish folklore. I did. I did. So it's um, the Hag of Barra, or An Chaliach Fara, um, and it comes from Cork, Cork. Cork. where all the best things come from. So it's <laughs> a, about a, a hag uh, in Dingle specifically, which is actually in County Kerry, but yeah. we won't say anything about it's that. It's monster. It's monster. Um, and there... There was a poem written about her in the 12th century Ooh. and it was sort of like the, the lament of the Hag of Barra, um, which she narrates herself. It just sort of talks about her life and how life will dwindle and the oncoming tide and it waxes and yeah, all waxes the sort of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The connection to um, the circle and the spinning. Yeah, exactly. The, the, the changing of seasons and all that sort of stuff. There is a translation by Lady Augusta Purse Gregory, who we all know and love. Lady G. Lady G um, from 1919, which is held in Trinity College, Dublin, which we also all know and love. Our (laughs) alma mater. Our alma mater. (laughs) Um, So will I give it a spin? Yeah, give it a spin. Yeah, I will. Give us a bit of old croning. (laughs) I am the hag of bear, an ever new smock I used to wear. Today such is my mean estate, I will not even a cast off smock. The maidens rejoice when May Day comes to them. For me, sorrow is meter. I am wretched, I am an old hag. Amen, woe is me, every acorn has to drop after feasting by shining candles to be in the gloom of a prayer. I had my day with kings, drinking mead and wine. Today I drink way water among, among shriveled old hags. I am Ireland, older than the hag of Barra. Great my pride, I gave birth to brave Cucullin. Modern Ireland, great my shame. My own children killed their mother. I am Ireland lonelier than the hag of Barra. <laughs> yeah, there's, so, a, there's yeah. a certain nationalist feeling. Right? <laughs> just, just a little bit. So apparently the last two stanzas which go on about, you know, I am, I am Ireland, Ireland and modern Ireland were tagged on by Lady G. Yeah, after. Shocker. <laughs> yeah, because, uh, Shocker. Actually, and um, a famous old hag in Irish literary fiction and mythology is Kathleen Houlihan. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which is about this, uh, this old woman who shows up and says, oh, my four green fields have been taken from me. Will no young man go out and shed his blood? And then young men go out to, to fight for Ireland yeah. and she becomes young again. Which is a play claimed to be written by Yeats, <laughs> but actually written by Lady G. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they, quote, co-wrote it, but she wrote most of it. And then on opening night, he decided that it would be best if it was just his name on it because, you know, he was the famous poet after all. And he was the man and he opened the theatre. And she, yeah, I mean, oh, she yeah, was just the one boy. who actually set up the theatre and organised yeah. it and wrote the plays. and Yeah. But yeah, no, the crone sort of features quite a bit. In, and it, you know, ties into that sort of Ashling thing as well yeah, that you the, have in Irish poetry, the, yeah, the dream the, woman. The dreams and the myths. And yeah. Actually, the Morrigan, who's the uh, famous Celtic goddess, war goddess, battle goddess, she a lot of times shows up as a crone. She appears to the warrior Cú at one point as a crone. But she 
again has that very ambiguous sometimes she's siding with the hero sometimes she's against the hero she sort of she steers her own course yeah hmm. which i think is what the crone tends to do yeah i think especially with all the connections to nature and the yeah. changing of the seasons and the tides and everything i think it's just like a really beautiful metaphor for how like nature and life yeah. is kind of cruel like, and yeah, yeah there's a balance ambiguous it can and... be beautiful but it can be cruel yeah and the crone or the old hag very much marches to her own rhythm. Mm-hmm. She has her own rhythm, the rhythm of the season, and no rhythm of man or society or kings is going to disrupt her. Yeah. Yeah, she yeah. She has her own thing. And everyone else just has to deal with it. Yep. <laughs> Dope. Yeah. Feminist <laughs> icon. Crones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I love crones. Yeah. I love, I love witches. Mm-hmm. And Discworld of the Witches. And oh, yeah. Like, Granny Weatherwax is an amazing crone character. Who's Granny Weatherwax? Oh, in in Discworld, they um, there's a whole series about the the Lankara witches, mm-hmm. who are these sort of wise women witches, and witches don't have a leader, but the leader they definitely don't have is Granny Weatherwax. Okay, <laughs> who is this steely-eyed, steely-grey-haired, terrifying elderly woman mm-hmm. who she sort of is a cunning woman, and she lives in an old cottage, and she uses headology, which is basically the placebo effect. But when she needs to, she can wield incredibly powerful magic and battles wizards and demons and mm. all sorts of things oh very cool um but she very much has there is the rhythm of the seasons the rhythm of mm-hmm. the turning of the world and that's what she goes along to not whatever kings and politicians and people with fancy modern ideas might be thinking about she sort of has this in her bones yeah 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 and she's she's wonderful she's she's good but good isn't always kind Yes. Yeah. Which is, yeah, which I think exactly sums up the yeah, the, the crone. crone. Yeah. yeah. And uh George and I found some stories of a a very famous crone archetype. Yes. Mm-hmm. Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga. So most people are familiar vaguely with Baba Yaga. She's become quite sort of popular throughout the world, but she originally seems to come from sort of the Baltic regions, Slavic countries, very much associated with Russia, but also Ukraine, Poland sort of all around the Baltic-y, baltic yeah. area. Yeah. And she's travelled, because people travel and stories travel, and she's got great stories. Fantastic <laughs> stories. <clears throat> and she's a, she, even the um, the aesthetic of her, if you see paintings and illustrations of her, is oh, so intriguing. She's, she's this sort yeah. of old, old crone, typical old crone, but she, she she's rides She's sometimes in. described as the bony-legged one. <laughs> the bony-legged one. And um, a lot of descriptions make on, on how hideous she is yeah. and how haggard. And, and how, I suppose, sort of, she, yeah, there's, there's something sort of terrifying about um, the strangeness of her even down to like I remember the book that I had a kid, as a kid with the story of her in it uh, where she she's riding around in that uh, mortar yeah. and she she has a pestle as a weapon yeah. and her house is like sort of yeah. like um, sort of propped up on chicken's chicken legs. feet yeah so yeah. let's let's go through the the elements of Babalaga's look just to <laughs> just to to nail it down actually I'm gonna pull up a picture in I've got the book in front of me to see if they show yeah I'm looking I'm looking yeah, here's a here's a illustration well. of Baba Yaga yeah, it's a small one there, by Ivan Bel uh, uh, Yeah, Bilibin. Bilibin, yeah. and her favorite mode of transport appears to be a flying pestle. She she has a flying broom, but she prefers to travel by pestle. <laughs> like, like a like a pestle and mortar, yeah. is it? Oh, yeah. like for grinding. And she and she yeah. wields the mortar like a weapon. <laughs> And she can fly about the country with Wait, a whistle. Is the mortar the bowl or the pestle? The I'm not sure. I always thought the pestle was the the, the little the crunchy thing. Yeah. yeah, and then the mortar was the, the little bowl thing. Yeah. yeah, I don't know, but she seems to be on sort of like this this pillory bowly thing in the illustration, holding her broom in her hand with her pestle grinder down. Better to have both of them, you know, yeah, for safety. She's, yeah, yeah. She's, she's ready, and she she flies about. When she comes back to her home, her home is mobile. It's on chicken feet. <laughs> and it can scuttle it, around. Yeah, it can, it can get up and walk around the place. But when our house is settled, it is surrounded by a fence. And the fence is either of iron teeth or human bones. Ooh, I heard glowing skulls. Yeah, on the top of the posts, there oh. are glowing skulls. And the skulls show up in the story you've got. And my story c- could possibly have an origin for where these skulls came from. Oh, I don't know. It doesn't explicitly say that this is where the skulls, but uh, she ends up with a lot of skulls. And she also has uh, some servants who are disembodied hands. 
Oh, okay. Oh, yep. Oh, like the Adams family. A little yeah. bit, yeah. yeah. Except rather than just one of them, she has uh, three pairs. Oh. And they can go around and they can like grind her corn and uh, press oil out of seeds for her. And they can also be the locks on her gate. And they can also run around and strangle people and behead them. And <laughs> Why do I buy a pair of these? <laughs> <laughs> they, they do her bidding and it's then she, her house is full of strange and mysterious objects that you're not meant to ask questions about. Mm. Or you'll probably get eaten. Yeah. <laughs> but she, she is a very ambiguous figure because sometimes she's good and helpful. Sometimes she's wicked and cruel. She very much plays by her own... She has her own rules and her own set of this is what we do. This is yeah. what I do. Mm-hmm. She's pretty badass. Yeah. yeah. Like pretty cool in a way. In a sort of chaotic neutral way. In yeah, D&D chaotic terms. neutral very much would, I think, describe her. Yeah. Because um, I know in the... The story I was looking at, um, I, I found an article about it um, on Broadly or Vice um, by, I should probably credit this before I go talking mm-hmm. about it, by someone called Marissa Clifford. And yeah, she really puts the, the strain on, um, oh, I don't know, should I tell the story briefly first and then explain? Uh, or? Well, you start it, so continue and then we'll tell the story. Okay, so she, um, yeah, she sort of talks about how um, Baba Yaga is, you know, she's not entirely good she's not entirely evil she sort of she does do good things but sometimes the 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 sort of um what is it like by getting that good thing done she can hurt people and do sort of extraordinarily evil acts to to help someone else out and there's this thing of she she very much operates outside of normal morality and ethics um yeah she's, she's very sort of tied to like the wild of nature the the, the winds and things mm-hmm. the winds change and the winds of fortune yeah well I suppose societal rules change the mm. wind and nature is a constant so yeah. so your story is it's it's about the beautiful Vasilisa I think Vasilisa 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 um, please correct us on the pronunciation because I have no idea and it's um, yeah I, I just have a summary from um, this article I was looking at that uh, goes in the tale of Vasilisa the beautiful arguably the most famous story in which Baba Yaga appears Baba Yaga takes on several seemingly conflicting roles beautiful Vasilisa lives with her wicked stepmother and two step sisters sound familiar it's very <laughs> similar to Cinderella it is very Cinderella yeah um, who all conspire to have her killed it's a little bit more dramatic I guess <laughs> After several unsuccessful attempts, they finally send Vasilisa directly to Baba Yaga's hut, knowing that the crone eats humans as one eats chickens. But instead of devouring the girl, Baba Yaga forces her to do a series of impossible menial tasks, or seemingly so, such as separating grains of rice from uh, from wheat kernels before dawn. Again, um, very Cinderella. Yeah, very, very Cinderella. Cinderella. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there must be there there must mm. be a, a sort of origin point for both of these. Um, but when Vasilisa succeeds at this, she's granted one of the skull lanterns that surround Baba's house, the glowing skulls. Um, upon returning home, the lantern immediately engulfs her horrible family in flames, freeing <laughs> her from their tyranny. Um, eventually, beautiful Vasilisa ends up marrying the Tsar, apparently as well. So, oh, very you know, good. Oh, well, it's that really well. Yeah, and um, as the author of this article um, points out, um, here Baba acts as a trickster, villain, and savior, ultimately helping Vasilisa to rid her of her stepfamily, albeit through shockingly violent and roundabout (laughs) means. Um, But unlike the traditional godmother figure, Baba is outside the bounds of morality, and her aid often comes in menacing forms. Um, So yeah, she does operate on her own level. Yeah, yeah. Would Whimsical. You to, would you have to tell us the full story? I've got one in front of me if you'd like to... Yeah, sure. Yeah, um, have a read. Uh, mm. This is from the, the Annotated Classic Fairy Tales, edited by Maria Tasher. Okay, let's... It's a, it's a big book because it's, it's <laughs> yeah, got lots can, of footnotes. You can edit, edit it if uh, I go on for too long. So this is Vasilisa the Fair uh, by Alexander Afan... How did I... Afanasiev. Thank you, Orla, who actually knows how to pronounce these things. Oh, yeah, because um, you speak Russian. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> Why am I reading this? <laughs> oh, the rest is English. Great. Once upon a time, there lived a merchant in a faraway kingdom. Although he had been married 12 years, he had only one child, and she was called Vasilisa the Fair. When Vasilisa was eight years old, her mother fell ill. She called her daughter to her side, took a doll out from under the co- coverlet. Coverlet? I don't know what that is. It's like a a sort of quilty blanket that goes over the other blankets. Oh yeah, I know those now. And gave it to the girl saying, listen, 
Vasilishushka. Pay attention to my last words and remember what I say. I'm dying, and all I can leave you is my maternal blessing with this doll. <laughs> yep. Keep the doll. It's not funny, Georgia. Stop that. It's one. not. It's not. <laughs> Keep Look, the she, doll. She doesn't have much time left. She needs to get to the point. I know. True. <laughs> As do I. Oh, dear. Keep the doll with you wherever you go, but don't show her to anyone. If you get into trouble, just give her some food and ask her advice. After she is eaten, she will tell you what to do. The mother kissed the, her daughter farewell and died. <laughs> or not. I'm sorry. <laughs> These things just happen so suddenly. Yeah. Uh, following his wife's death, the merchant mourned her in proper fashion, not laughing at her, yeah, geez, word, and then began to think about remarrying. He was a handsome man and had no difficulty finding a bride, but he liked a certain widow best. This widow had two daughters of her own, who were almost the same age as Vasilisa, and the merchant thought she would make a good housekeeper and mother, and so he married her. But he was wrong, for she did not turn out to be a good mother for Vasilisa. Vasilisa was the fairest girl in the entire village, and her stepmother and stepsisters were jealous of her beauty. They tormented her by giving her all kinds of work to do, hoping that she would grow bony from toil and weather beaten from exposure to the wind and sun. And indeed, her life was miserable, but she bore it all without complaint and became lovelier um, with every passing day, while the stepmother and her daughters, who sat around all day doing nothing, grew thin and ugly as a result of spitefulness. How did all this come about? Things would have been different without the doll. Without her aid, the girl could never have managed all the work. Magic dolly. (laughs) Some days Vasilisa did not eat anything at all. She would wait until everyone was in bed in the evening and then lock herself in the room where she slept, giving her doll a tasty morsel. She would say, eat this little doll and listen to my troubles. I live in my father's house, but I'm deprived of joy. That stepmother of mine is going to be the death of me. Tell me how I should live and what I should do. First the doll would eat, and then she gave Vasilisa advice and comforted her in her woe. And in the morning she would take care of all the chores, while Vasilisa rested in the shade and picked flowers. The doll weeded the flower beds, watered the cabbages, went to the well and fired the stove. I want a doll like this. I know, that sounds unreal. The doll even showed Vasilisa, uh, oh, an herb, this is a very correct book, that would protect her against sunburn. Oh, I need that. (laughs) Thanks to the doll, Vasilisa's life was easy. The years passed and Vasilisa grew up, reaching the age of marriage. All the young men in the village wanted to marry her, and they they never so much as cast a glance at the stepmother's daughters. The stepmother grew to hate Vasilisa more than ever. To all the suitors, she declared, I will not give you the youngest in marriage before the elder ones. Then she vented her anger on Vasilisa with cruel blows. One day, Vasilisa's father had to go on a long journey. Oh, I don't like where this yeah. is going. Vasilisa's father, who has been oblivious to all oh. this. <laughs> well, actually, that's true. <laughs> in order to trade in distant lands, the stepmother moved um, to another house near the edge of a deep forest. In the glade of that forest was a hut, and in the hut lived Baba Yaga. Mm. She never allowed anyone to come near her and ate human beings just as if they were chickens. The merchant's wife hated Vasilisa so much that at the new house she would send her stepdaughter into the woods for one thing or another. But Vasilisa always returned home safe and sound. Her doll showed her the way and kept her well clear of Babiaga's hut. One evening in autumn, the stepmother gave each of the girls a task. She told the oldest to make lace, the second to knit stockings, and Vasilisa was supposed to spin. To to spin. (laughs) Sorry, I was like, to spin what? (laughs) Then she snuffed out all the candles in the house, except for the one in the room where the girls were working. For a while, the girls carried on, uh, carried out their task quietly. Then the candle began to smoke. One of the stepsisters took a pair of scissors and pretended to trim the wick, but instead, following her mother's orders, she snuffed it out. Sneaky. As if by accident. Oh, what on earth should we do now? The stepsis said the stepsisters. Oh no, I There's wonder. no light in the house. <laughs> oh. And we haven't even come close to finishing our tasks. Oh. Someone must run to Baba Yaga to get some fire. Oh. <laughs> I wonder who that will be. <laughs> I'm not going, said the girl who was making lace. I can see by the light of my pins. Right. What? Sure. <laughs> 
I'm not going, said the girl who was knitting stockings. I can see by the light of my knitting needles. So what, what knitting needles give off light? I mean, like, I'm sure you can get glowing knitting needles in the designist or something. High tech, um, LED. That means you have you have to go. They both shouted to their stepsister. Get going. Go and see your friend Baba Yaga. <laughs> <laughs> and they pushed Vasilisa out of the room. Jeez. Vasilisa went into her own little room, laid out the supper she had prepared for her doll and said, There, Dolly, eat and help me in my need. They want me to go to Baba Yaga for fire and she will eat me up. The doll ate her supper. Her eyes glowed like two candles. You don't need fire. No joking, okay. (laughs) Don't be afraid. Vasilisa, oh, I can't. It's really, I think it's like a term of endearment for her name. It is, yeah. It means like little little Vasilisa. Sorry, I just, I'm really bad at that many syllables. Yeah. She said, go uh, where they send you. Only be sure to take me with you. If I'm in your pocket, Babiaga can't hurt you. Vasilisa got ready to go, put the doll in her pocket, and she crossed herself before setting out for the deep forest. She trembled with fear as she walked through the woods. Suddenly a horseman galloped past her. His face was white. He was dressed in white, and he was riding a white horse with white reins and stirrups. Very coordinated. Yeah, Yeah, I love it. (laughs) After that, it began to glow light. Vasilisa walked deeper into the forest, and a second horseman galloped past her. His face was red. He was dressed in red, and he was riding a red horse. Then the sun began to rise. Vasilisa walked all night and all day long. Late on the second evening, she arrived in the clearing where Babiaga's hut was standing. The fence around it was made of human bones. Skulls with empty eye sockets stared down from the posts. The gate was made from the bones of human legs. The bolts were made from human hands, and the lock was a jaw with sharp teeth. Vasilisa was terrified and stood rooted to the spot. Suddenly, another horseman galloped past her. His face was black. He was dressed in black, and he was riding a black horse. He galloped up to Baba Yaga's door and vanished, as though the earth had swallowed him up. Then it was night. But it wasn't dark for long. The eyes on all the skulls on that fence began to gleam, and the clearing grew bright as day. Vasilisa shuddered with fright. She wanted to run away, but didn't know which way to turn. A dreadful noise sounded in the woods. The trees creaked and groaned. The dead leaves rustled and crunched. Babiaga appeared, flying in a mortar, prodding it with her pestle and sweeping her traces with a broom. She rode up to the gate, stopped, and sniffed the air around her. Foo! Foo! This place smells of Russian girl! Who's there? Oh my god! Yeah, it's kind of like fee fi fum I smell the blood of an Englishman! Yeah! yeah. It must be great being of a smell of nationality. Vasilisa went up to the old witch and, trembling with fear, bowed down low and said, It is I, Granny! My stepsisters sent me to get some light. Very well, said Babiaga. I know your sisters. All right, but before I give you fire, you must stay and work for me. If you don't, I'll have you for dinner. Ah, fair mm-hmm. deal. Yeah. Then she turned to the gate and shouted, Slide back, my strong bolts, open up my wide gates. The gates opened and Babiaga rode in with a shrill whistle. Vasilisa followed her and then everything closed up again. I'm guessing she's locked in now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Baba Yaga went into the hut, stretched herself out on a bench and said to Vasilisa, I'm hungry. Bring me whatever's in the oven. Vasilisa lit a taper from the skulls on the fence and began serving Baba Yaga the food from the oven. There was enough to feed ten people. She brought kvass, mead, beer and wine from the cellar. The old woman ate and drank everything put before her, leaving for Vasilisa only a little bowl of cabbage soup, a crust of bread and a scrap of pork. It's not too bad. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> Babiaga got ready for bed and said, Tomorrow after I leave, see it, see to it that you sweep the yard, clean the hut, cook supper, wash linen, and go to the corn bin and sort out a bushel of wheat. And if you haven't finished by the time I get back, I'll eat you up. Hmm. After giving the orders, Babiaga began snoring. Vasilisa took her doll out of her pocket and placed Babiaga's leftovers before it. Then she burst out crying and said, There, doll, have some food and help me out. Babiaga has given me impossible tasks and has threatened to eat me up if I don't take care of everything. Help me. The doll replied, Don't be afraid, Vasilisa the Fair. Eat your supper, say your prayers, and go to sleep. Mornings are wiser than evenings. Hmm, I like that. Oh, that's yeah. nice. That's Vas- very nice. Vasilisa got yeah, up early. Babiaga was already up and about. When Vasilisa looked out the window, she saw that the lights in the skull's eyes were fading. 
Then the white horseman galloped by, and it was daybreak. Babiaga went in, out into the yard and gave a whistle. Her mortar, pestle, and broom appeared. The red horseman flashed by, and the sun rose. Babiaga sat down in the mortar, prodded it with her pestle, and swept over her traces with the broom. Vasilisa was alone, and she looked around Babiaga's hut. She had never seen so many things to do in her life and couldn't figure out where to begin. And lo and behold, all the work was done. The doll was picking out the last bits of chafe from the wheat. You've saved me, Vasilisa said to her doll. If it weren't for you, I would have been gobbled up tonight. All you have to do now is prepare supper, said the doll as it climbed back into her pocket. Cook it with God's blessing and then get some rest so you'll stay strong. I love this doll. Yeah. It's so Really cute. It's so oh. practical and helpful. And wholesome. Yeah. <laughs> Toward evening, Vasilisa set the table and waited for Baba Yaga. It grew dark, and when the black horseman galloped by, it was night. The only light came from the skulls on the fence. The trees creaked and groaned. The dry leaves crackled and crunched. Baba Yaga was on her way. Vasilisa went out to meet her. Is everything done? asked Baba Yaga. See for yourself, Granny, Vasilisa replied. Babiaga went all around the hut. She was annoyed that there was nothing to complain about and said, <laughs> well done. Then she shouted, my faithful servants, my dear friends, grind the wheat. Three pairs of hands appeared. They da, da, took, da, da. <laughs> it's just like hands on their own. They took the wheat and whisked it away. Babiaga ate her fill, made ready to sleep and again gave Vasilisa her tasks. Tomorrow, she ordered, do just what you did today. Then... Take the poppy seeds out of the bin and get rid of the dust, speck by speck. Someone threw dust into the bins just to annoy me. Oh, that's a okay, it's a bit mean. Mm. Baba Yaga turned over and began to snore. Vasily's, oh, we don't have any snoring doggers. Yeah, oh, yeah <laughs> the, dog, the dogs are here, but they're sort of... They're wand- very awake. They're, they're wandering around looking for biscuits. <laughs> mm-hmm. Vasilisa began to feed her doll. The doll ate everything in front of her and repeated just what she had said the day before. Pray to God and go to sleep. Mornings are wiser than evenings. Everything will get done, Vasilisushka. <laughs> little Vasilisa. Yeah, little Vasilisa. <laughs> the, morning, uh, the next morning, Baba Yaga rode off again in her mortar. With the help of her doll, Vasilisa finished the housework in no time at all. The old witch returned in the evening, looked everything over and cried out, My faithful servants, my dear friends, press the oil from these poppy seeds. Three pairs of hands appeared, took the bin of poppy seeds and whisked it away. Babiaga sat down to dine. Vasilisa stood silently next to her while she ate. Why don't you talk to me? Babiaga asked. You stand there as as though you were mute. I did not dare speak, said Vasilisa. But if you'll give me permission, there is something I'd like to ask. Ask away, said Babiaga. But be careful. Not every question has a good answer. If you know too much, you will soon grow old. (laughs) Oh, Granny, I only want to ask you about some things I saw on the way here. When I was on my way over here, a horseman with a white face riding a white horse and dressed in white overtook me. Who was he? That was the bright day, Babiaga replied. Then another horseman overtook me. He had a red face and was riding, riding a red horse and was dressed in red. Who was he? He is the red sun, Babiaga replied. Then who was the black horseman I met at your gate, Granny? He is my dark knight. The three of them are my faithful servants. Vasilisa remembered the three pairs of hands but kept her mouth shut. <clears throat> Don't you want to ask about anything else? Babiaga said. No, Granny, that's enough. You were the one who said that the more you know, the sooner you grow old. You are wise, Babiaga said, to ask only about things you saw outside my house, not inside it. I don't like to have my dirty linen aired in public, and if people get too curious, I eat them up. And now... That's one way to do it. It's, just, it's your solution for everything, isn't it? Pretty yeah. much it. Um, it sort of gives a new meaning to sort of like if I told you I'd have to eat you I'd have to kill you (laughs) and now I have a question for you how did you get all that work done so fast I was helped by my mother's blessing said Vasilisa oh so that's how you did it Babiaga shrieked get out of here blessed daughter I don't want any blessed ones in my house she dragged Vasilisa out of the room and pushed her out through the gate then she took one of the skulls with blazing eyes from the fence, stuck it on the end of a stick and gave it to the girl, saying, Here's fire for your stepsisters. Take it. That's what you came for, isn't it? Right. Oh, no. So she's just wandering around with a flaming skull now. <laughs> yeah, there's a picture and all in here. Vasilisa ran home using the fire from the skull to light her path. At dawn, the fire went out and by the evening she reached the house. 
As she was approaching the gate, she was about to throw the skull away, thinking that her stepsisters surely already had fire, when she heard a muffled voice coming from the skull. Because it talks? Yeah, apparently. Don't throw me away! Take me to your stepmother! She looked at the stepmother's house and, seeing there was no light in the window, decided to enter with the skull. For the first time, the stepmother and stepsisters received her kindly. They told her that since she had left, they had no fire at all in the house. They had been unable to produce a flame themselves. They had tried to bring one back from the neighbours, but it went out as soon as they crossed the threshold. Perhaps your fire will last, said the I stepmother. Some magic here. <laughs> Vasilisa carried the skull in. Its eyes began to stare at the stepmother and two sisters. It burned them. They tried to hide, but their eyes followed them wherever they went. By morning, they had turned into three heaps of ashes on the floor. Only Vasilisa remained untouched by the fire. Vasilisa buried the skull in the garden. Good idea. Locked up the house and went to the nearest town. An old woman without children gave her shelter and there she lived, waiting for her father's return. One day she said to the woman, I am weary of sitting here with nothing to do, Granny. Buy she, me the best flax you can find. Then she least... just call everyone Granny. Yeah, I think it it's must be Babushka. Babushka, yeah. yeah. Um, one day she said to the woman, I am weary of sitting here with nothing to do, Granny. Buy me the best flax you can find, then at least I'll get some spinning done. The old woman bought some of the best flax around and Vasilisa sent to work. She spun as fast as lightning and her threads were even and fine as hair. She spun a great deal of yarn. It was time to start weaving it, but there were no combs fine enough for Vasilisa's yarn and no one was willing to make one. Mean. Yeah. Vasilisa asked her doll for help. The doll said, bring me an old comb, an old shuttle, and a, and a horse's mane. I will make a loom for you. Mm-hmm. Vasilisa did as the doll said, went this to sleep. really useful doll. Yeah, no. incredibly useful. And found a wonderful loom waiting for her the next morning. By the end of the winter, the linen was woven. It was so fine that you could pass it through the eye of a needle. In the spring, the linen was bleached, and Vasilisa said to the old woman, Granny, sell this linen and keep the money for yourself. Aww. The woman looked at the cloth and gasped. No, my child, no one can wear linen like this except the Tsar. I shall take it to the palace. Does she have connections? Apparently. <laughs> yeah, apparently. She, she knows what the Tsar wears. Um, do, 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 do. The woman went to the Tsar's palace and began walking back and forth beneath the windows. And oh, there's a dog sniffling my ankle. That was <laughs> a bit surprising. The Tsar saw her and asked, what do you want, Granny? She's crying to everyone. Your Majesty, she answered. I have brought some rare merchandise. I don't want to show it to anyone but you. The Tsar ordered the old lady to appear before him. And when he saw the linen, he gazed at it in amazement. What do you want for it? He asked. I can't put a price on it, little father Tsar. It's a gift. The Tsar thanked her and loaded her down with presents. The Tsar ordered shirts made from the linen. He had them cut, but no one could find a seamstress who was willing to sew them. Finally, he summoned the old woman and said, You were able to spin and weave this linen. You must be able to sew it into shirts for me. I was not the one who spun and wove this linen, Your Majesty, said the old woman. This is the work of a girl to whom I gave shelter. Well then, let her sew the shirts, the Tsar ordered. The old woman returned home and told Vasilisa everything. I knew all along that I would have to do this work, Vasilisa told her. Well, why didn't you say something beforehand? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Vasilisa locked herself into her room and began sewing. She worked without stopping and soon a dozen shirts were ready. Oh, she had a plan this whole time. The old woman took the shirts to the sire. Vasilisa washed up, combed her hair, dressed in her finest clothes and sat down by the window to see what would happen. (laughs) Just on the off chance. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, what? You guys stopping by, are you? Oh, oh and I'm oh. not even dressed. Oh, I just threw this old thing <laughs> I on. I just out of bed. <laughs> she saw one of the Tsar's servants enter the courtyard. The messenger came into the room and said, His Majesty wishes to meet the seamstress who made his shirts and wants to rewar- reward her with his own hands. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, we've only got a paragraph left Vasilisa appeared before the Tsar when the Tsar saw Vasilisa the fair he fell head over heels in love with her no my beauty he said I shall never part from you you will be my wife I don't know what he's saying no to she didn't say anything the Tsar took Vasilisa by her white hands and sat her down next to him the wedding was celebrated at once 
she hasn't answered, but cool. <laughs> yeah, soon, cool. Yeah, he's the czar. He's, he's the czar. Like, like soon afterward, uh, Vasilisa's father returned. He was overjoyed with her good fortune and went to live in his daughter's house. Vasilisa oh, took the old woman into her home. bloody dad, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. Uh, Vasilisa took the, oh she took the old woman into her home as well and carried her the doll in her pocket until the day she died and no one remarked on the missing stepmother and stepsister no. nah. nah nah they weren't very popular oh god there's so much in that story <laughs> like, yeah uh, also this... yeah like the whole thing because she was gone for three days yeah right yeah. and yeah. I just kept thinking they have to have fire by now they no. must have there but seems then to have been some magic sure. curse. kind of curse put on them. Yeah. So there's so much we could talk about about you know the connection to Cinderella and the stepfather and the stepmother and the spinning. I, mm. love, I love spinning and the yeah. dolls. But let's narrow it down before I go off on a mad tangent <laughs> about spinning. Um, to the character of Baba Yaga. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's kind of she's really scary. Mm. She's really. Where did she get all the bones from? Like, is it actually uh, people that she yeah, like? Ate? Does she possibly is it really? just a threat? Well, you know? I've got a story which might explain where she got 41 of those bones. Oh, let's go. It's a story also from a collection by Alexander Afaneski. Uh, Afanasiev? Oh yeah, it's your man. It's yeah, the same, same one. guy. S- same same guy. And this is a collection um, called The Three Kingdoms that I have and it's got these really lovely sort of medieval style illustrations. But this story is of Baba Yaga and Puny. <laughs> Uh, so there was once a, a man and a wife who were very happy apart from the fact that as with many couples in fairy tales they had no children and they had tried everything they tried different phases of the moon they tried herbs they tried everything Ooh, everything everything and one day the, the man is walking through the fields looking a bit glum and he bumps into an old man and the old man says ah I can see by the look on your face what's wrong with you you've got no children <laughs> well you're impotent <laughs> Well, if you go to all of your neighbours and take an egg from each of them and put all those eggs under a brood hen, your problems will be solved. And the old man thinks, look, we've tried everything else. So he, uh, he goes off and he goes to all of his neighbours and he has 41 neighbours and they each give him an egg and he takes the 41 eggs and he puts them under a very confused brood hen mm-hmm. and they wait and they wait and they wait and they wait and then the eggs hatch and they are... 41 baby boys oh each oh boy. as the yeah. now the first 40 are all strong and healthy apart from the 41st who is tiny and puny so the man and the wife they take up each of the 41 41 babies and they start to name them and they name the first one steve and the second one john and the third one mark and so on and so on until they've they've got to 40 and they they can only think of 40 boys names and the man looks down at the 41st child and goes well you're small and puny, so I'm going to name you Puny. <laughs> like, yeah, definitely not any non-nominative determinedness going on. Mm-hmm. And the boys grow up, and they grow up incredibly fast. Not in, like, years, but hours. And then they, all apart from Puny, are strong, healthy, rah, men, manly men. <laughs> and they go to work on their father's farm, and they, each one of them can do the work of 40 men by himself. Apart from Puny, who being the smallest helps with the housework and cooks the massive amounts of food they need to eat. Oh my god. And harvesters come in and they've put up these great bales of hay and the father goes out and looks at and says, ah, my sons, you've done a grand job. He's now Irish. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And they go and they celebrate and they sleep. And the father goes back the next day and says, hang on, someone's nicked one of our big bales of hay and wait, what's going on here? And Peony says, father, if you give me a hundred rupees, I'll get to the bottom of this. And the father says, uh, sure, why not? And gives him a hundred rupees and he goes to the blacksmith and he makes the blacksmith make him a chain, a chain so strong it cannot be broken by 40 men. There's a recurring theme of 40 mm-hmm. in this. I've noticed, yeah. And then he goes, Puny goes and he waits in the field and he can hear the sea lapping up and lapping down but as the sun falls and the moon rises a horse comes out of the sea. And it comes up and it starts trying to eat the bales of hay. And Puny, quick as a wink, leaps up onto the horse, wraps the chain around like a bridle. And the horse does everything it can to kick him off, to buck him off. It rides to the moon and back again. But Puny manages to cling on. And at the end, the horse says, oh, look, you've beaten me. And as a reward, I'm going to give you my colts. And the horse goes to the sea and gives a whinny. 
and 41 horses, each stronger than the last, come out of the sea and go to Puny saying, yeah, you're our master now. <laughs> Where so, are we going? So Puny takes his, uh, his new 41 horses to his brothers, says, brothers, we've got horses. Now we need wives. Oh boy. <laughs> so each brother gets up on one of the horses and they ride off. But unfortunately, they've, they've made this pact that they're all going to get married together oh in like this geez. big group wedding. And nowhere they go can they find 41 women all willing to marry them at the same time. Oh. Like in some places there's 40, in some places there's, there's uh, four, 39, but there's, yeah. never, there's never exactly 41 women. Until at last they ride and they come to the house of Baba Yaga. And Baba Yaga's house on its chicken legs is turning and turning around, looking for the right place to be out of the wind. And on around the house, there are 41 posts of iron. And the 41 brothers all get off their horses, tie them to the posts of iron, and walk up to Baba Yaga's chicken leg house and knock on the door. And Baba Yaga comes out. Baba Yaga, the bony-legged, the crooked-faced, the horrible hag comes out and screeches at them. What are you doing? How dare you tie your horses to my posts without even asking permission first? And uh, the boys, who apparently never learned any manners, say, Shush, old woman, we're hungry, we're thirsty, we're dirty and we're tired. Steam us some baths, then ask us some questions. <laughs> and Baba Yaga, a bit taken aback by this, goes into the house and she prepares baths and foods and beds for them. And the brothers, they wash and they eat and... When they're feeling a bit more relaxed, they say they go back and Bobby Gog says, What have brought you here? And they say, Well, we're looking for wives. We're looking for forty one young women willing to marry these forty one brothers. And Baba's yeah says, Oh Pleasant happy stance, I happen to have forty one daughters <laughs> All of whom are looking to marry. So why don't you just marry marry my daughters today? And the brothers think, Brilliant. This is Wow, this is incredible luck. And each of Baba Yaga's 41 daughters are more beautiful than the last. And so they are all wed. But Puny's horse keeps sort of trying to catch his eye during the ceremony. And at, when they finish and the 40 brothers are going off to, um, to do whatever you do after a wedding, Puny goes up and says to his bride, he'll be five minutes and goes to have a chat with his horse. And the horse says, look, I can't explain why, but tonight... Make sure you and your brothers all swap clothes with your new wives. Just do it before you go to bed. Don't ask any questions. Come on, but if you don't do it, terrible things will happen. But Puny goes, okay, right. Uh, they say don't look a gift horse in the mouth, so don't question the, ho- the advice of a talking horse. <laughs> and he goes and he tells his brothers this, that for reasons he doesn't really understand, they need to swap clothes with their wives before going to bed. And the wives don't ask any questions. They think, hey, if this is what you're into. <laughs> so they swap clothes and they get into bed and they all fall asleep, apart from Puny. You know, something's going to happen tonight and he's staying awake, watching, listening. And he hears Baba Yaga call to her servants. My faithful servants, my clever friends, come to me with your sharpest knives. Go and kill the bridegrooms in their beds. Oh, God. And one by one, as Baba Yaga's servants creep into the bedrooms and slice the head off what they believe to be the bridegroom. But it's dark. And they tell the bridegroom by the clothes they are wearing. And so when the last bride, the 45th daughter of Baba Yaga's, her head cut off, the brothers get up. They put back on their own bloodstained clothes and they each take the head of their bride and place it on one of the spikes outside Baba Yaga's house before untying their horses and riding off. (gasps) Baba Yaga, as soon as she sees this, is furious. She calls to the bright sun and the dark night and the light of day and has them bring her a flaming shield and sword. She gets on her mortar and pestle and she rides off after the brothers and the brothers are riding and riding but they're running out of land and they've come, there's the blue sea before them and burning Baba Yaga behind them but Puny, he is smart and he took something with him from Baba Yaga's house. He took her magic kerchief and he waves the kerchief before him and suddenly a road A bridge rises up over the sea and the 41 brothers, they gallop up over the road, over the sea and as soon as the last brother is gone, Puny waves his handkerchief again and the bridge has vanished. And Baba Yaga, flaming with fury, is unable to catch them and goes back to her home, which is now surrounded by the heads of her 41 daughters. And maybe when they've decomposed a bit, she puts a light in the skull and that's where... 
Vasilisa gets her gets play, her flaming skull from. from. I was don't it know. Really necessary to that all those women die. I know. I was kind of like, ah. why? Why the violins? <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't explain why Baba Yaga wants to kill them. It's just just so she does. Because they were rude. Yeah. I think. Yeah, they're so rude and entitled and expected this woman to do stuff for them while they were looking for girls. You know? Yeah. yeah. So that's a, in that story, Baba Yaga is, um, well, she's a bit more murderous. Yeah, but I think fully justified. I think possibly justified. You know, in a, and in it a does crazy kind of be, witch lady kind And she's of not necessarily the good guy, but she's not the bad guy. Yeah, it, it, well, she does try to behead them and accidentally ends up beheading her own daughters, but it does kind of explain why she's a little bit uh, suspect. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, mm. I'd have trust issues too. Yeah. Mm. yeah and there's, there's a lot of stories that when a, someone comes to her, she asks them a question, did you come here for your own free will or were you sent? And yeah. one answer is right, one answer is wrong. And it very much depends on her mood. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Boy. So I, I think I prefer the Vasilisa story. For a depiction of Baba Yaga, yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. It's more but it also it kind of ties in. It's like, oh, that's why she kicks uh, Vasilisa out when she's like, oh, you are blessed by your mother, is it? Yeah. And she kicks her back out and she's like, well, yeah. Of that. yeah, I could have it's... saved my daughters. It's if interesting. I'd given them a magic doll. <gasps> uh, Baba Yaga also shows up in the direct to video sequel prequel to Anastasia. Does she? Yeah. Oh my god. And she's very like like in the Vasilisa story, she's very sort of like a an evil helpful thing. It's Bartok the Magnificent. Bartok is the little albino bat. Bat. Rasputin that it's sort of psychic. It's it's not Fraser Crane, is it? It's Sin Boys, I think. Is it is it is it, it, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> the only one who did the Russian accent in the film. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, but it's a it's set long before the Russian Revolution and uh Bartok has to go and the, the young Tsar has been kidnapped allegedly by Baba Yaga so Barkok is due to being in the wrong place at the wrong time and having done this magic show beforehand sent to rescue the Tsar and Baba Yaga arrives and says like oh, she'll only she'll, she'll only tell him what the Tsar is if he does these various things and gathers her and then it's revealed at the end that oh no she doesn't have him at all <gasps> someone, someone else kidnapped him but she needed these ingredients to make a potion to help Bartok so oh. it's this sort of I'm going to be helpful, but in a very, very roundabout way. Yeah, yeah. I'm still going to get you to do what I want. Yeah, and the uh, and the potion is to make um, whatever you are on the inside show on the outside tenfold. Mm. Oh, which I worry could be taken literally, <laughs> and means just you're suddenly going to have a load of giant external internal organs on your tenfolds of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, she's a trickster like that. She is. I like characters like that though, where you sort of go, "Oh, I don't trust you. Oh, I do. Oh, I don't. Oh, I do." Oh, yeah. You know, it's kind of like uh, it's like yeah. Marceline in Adventure Time and stuff. I don't know. Um, yeah, so Baba Yaga you lived in Russia for a while though did you did. did you ever hear anything about Baba Yaga there I'm trying to because I remember watching this film when I was a kid about it was kind of Hansel and Gretel do you know like kids yeah. get lost in the woods in the woods and they have to do these sort of like set of things to escape the big mm. scary witch lady and then there was also like wood monsters, like tree oh, monsters and stuff like that. And I've been trying to Google it, but obviously it's a very obscure, like straight to video uh, Soviet <laughs> film, which yeah. I just don't think many people would have seen. <laughs> well, if anyone out there uh, does know the film Orla is talking about. Yeah, it's like, I don't know, brother and sister get lost in a woods, big scary witch lady, and they have to get away from her. Yeah, because in the Vasilisa story, there are a lot of sort of Hansel and Gretel-y themes as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it seems very similar with the... Because Hansel and Gretel had, had a sort of evil stepmother as well, didn't yeah. they? Um, they? Well, that's... Isn't that what, why they... Yeah, because yeah, it's, it's, it's a time... end up in the it's woods. A t- it's yeah. a time of famine and they're... Depending on which edition of Grimm's, either their mother or their stepmother says to the father, look, we're, we have no food. Mm. We're going to be driven to cannibalism soon. I don't really want to eat the kids. Yeah. 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 I saw the most tragic thing about that is they find this this old lady in the woods who, who's actually, what it appears, is willing to take care of them and be mm. a maternal figure. So of yeah. course they fall for it, you know, and it's just, yeah. oh God. Well, actually there's, um again, we're on a tangent. I was reading um, Bruno Bethlehem, who was a child psychologist, uh, oh, wrote a, a series of sort of psychoanalytic things on fairy tales and sort of how children need fairy tales because they use the fairy tale story to sort of resolve their internal conflicts but that in it the two the 
mother slash stepmother and the witch sort of represent two forms of a a dangerous mother character okay. that the stepmother is the one who's sort of not giving enough maternal love is mm-hmm. sort of pushing the kids out into the cold world too soon mm-hmm. whereas the witch is the one who wants to keep them too close who wants to smother them keep them too too near her yeah. and consume them yeah literally yeah, interesting yeah, yeah. how there's so many stories about mother figures in that way but the father mm. always seems the father is absent. yeah we, we talked about this look, in... he's always right isn't he that's the thing you know <laughs> we talked about it in stepmothers but there there is a big thing of the uh the absentee father yeah mm. and sort of this focus on maternal figures mm. but we've got on a complete tangent complete tangent okay. so uh yes baba yaga feminist icon yes yes <laughs> well, yeah 100 percent. one whole hundy okay yeah and on that note, we will leave you. Uh, if you would like to get in contact with us, tell us if you've seen Orla's Soviet Russian fairy tale. Please, someone let me know. It's if my you have, childhood. <laughs> if you have any views on Baba Yaga, crones, um, evil witches in general, uh, if you happen to know where we could get a set of those magic hands, mm-hmm. yes, that'd be please. great. Or the magic doll. Or the magic doll. The magic doll would be... Without just, one of our mothers having to pass. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm rather yeah. fond of my mother. Yeah, I, I quite like my mom. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you can reach us on Twitter at Tail Shadows every time. Hi, <laughs> you got this. Twitter at Tail Shadows on Instagram and Facebook at Tales from the Shadows. We have a theatre group called Tales from the Shadows, and I thought it would be simpler if we had the same handle on the social media, and it isn't. Uh, we also have a Patreon where you can, if you'd like, you you could give us some money to help yeah. run this that'll be lovely uh you can also buy we have merch on Redbubble. Woo! i'm or, holding one right now yeah orla's actually holding one of the the key cup keep cups yeah and it's very sturdy yeah. it'll keep your things warm if you want them warm or cold yeah. if you want them cold yeah and i have been emily collins i have been georgia dorley and i have been orla devlin don't get eaten that's for then yeah